You can turn um, in your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans, no, the end of Romans 11. We're going to start at the end of 11. There's a doxology there right before Romans 12. We're going to start there. And the Lord is going to stir up some hope this morning and fan it into flames. Um, I've got a little simple message that I feel like he's given me to bring uh, maybe in two parts from two different texts this week and next week, two different angles on the same thing. But um, this first one, the the second one comes out of my devotional readings in Deuteronomy, and uh, that'll be next week, Lord willing. This first one is is a verse in Romans that I've been meditating on for about two years. It's just grabbed my attention. I've been meditating on it. I'll say a little bit more in the sermon. So it's an odd one. I want to read the whole passage for context, but talk about one thing. So we're going to pick up at the end of chapter 11, where um, Paul finds himself just left without words except for worship. And he says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who's ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Messiah we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts According to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance or in proportion with the measure of your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. 
Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. The word of the Lord. Yes. Isn't it rich? I mean, every verse in there we could just spend a long time on. So, this is my guitar. And I've been your pastor for well over a decade, or if you've been here that long, or a little less if you've been here less, but I've been your pastor for a while. And I venture to think that most of you don't know that I can play the guitar. And the reason you don't know that is because I'm a mediocre to poor guitar player who's had a guitar for 24 years and never gotten good. And why is that? Well, because I was a young 20-something who saw other people around him playing guitar and thought, that looks neat. I'd like to be able to do that. And somebody gave me a guitar, and I started to learn a little bit, but not a whole lot. And it kind of kept going that way for a long time. I love to worship. I can't do two things at once. And so (laughs) I never really got good at the guitar. But you know what? This isn't the guitar somebody originally gave me. Before sabbatical six years ago, I thought this is a good time to finally get good at guitar. And so I used my Christmas gift from mom and dad and I went out and I bought a guitar. I thought, now's the time. And guess what? I'm still just as unpracticed and mediocre to poor as I ever have been. I picked it up less in the last seven years. Why? I don't really have any passion for it. I like it. But I don't have any passion for it. I don't love it. And so my guitar playing has gone like every other New Year's resolution, every other good idea that every one of us has ever had where we said, you know, I really ought to, I really should, I really, I kind of want to, but I don't have any passion for it. Passion is important. It matters. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Gina brought us a message from Psalm 85 where she talked about revival preceding righteousness. And she said, Uh, She said to us as a congregation, she asked us a few questions in the end. And one of those questions that she asked us was, will we be a congregation that prays faithfully and fervently for revival? That was two weeks ago. I'm not going to ask for a hand show, but have we prayed faithfully and have we prayed fervently for revival even in the last two weeks? Now, if you're starting to feel bad because you haven't, don't go there. This is not about shame. Okay? It's not about condemnation. But it is about saying, we've got a call from the Lord. He's spoken to us. He said, I want to bring revival. He's called us to pray. He said, I want you to be a place through whom and through which I work to spread the gospel. I want to take people home to Jesus Christ or call them home in large numbers. And that isn't going to happen without prayer. It's not going to happen without a fire of prayer rising up from us as a church. And so we don't beat ourselves up for not praying faithfully or fervently, but we do say, well, why wouldn't we pray faithfully or fervently? Or what would sustain us in praying? So I think about Neil and Anna, who felt called a little while back 
to start an early morning prayer meeting on Thursday morning, 6.30 to 7.30 here. What's going to sustain them to pray? How are they going to keep going when it gets tough? How are we going to keep going when we don't see the answers right away? And the answer for us, Paul gives in Romans chapter 12. He says, he says to the church, he's just spent 11 chapters opening up the gospel to them. He says, look, the wrath of God's being revealed against the world uh, in Romans chapter 1 against all of the unrighteousness of the world. Goes on, he describes it, and then he says, you Jews, you couldn't produce righteousness You couldn't keep the law. Us Gentiles, we can't produce righteousness. We can't keep the law. We're all in trouble. There is nobody that's righteous, not even one. Everybody's throat's an empty grave. We've all wandered away. We're all totally dead in our sins. And you know what? God's revealing a righteousness apart from the law. And here it is in Messiah, in Jesus. While we were yet sinners, thank you, Bill, for reading that earlier, Christ died For the ungodly, and now God is building a new human family, Jew and Gentile, together in the righteous one that he gifted. And when you get joined to him, there is no more condemnation. You are totally set free. You can't be separated from his love. And oh, by the way, even though Israel has experienced this temporary hardening For a time, they've wandered away. It's just so you Gentiles can come in. Israel's actually coming back to the Lord in the end. And that's why he's worshiping, praising the Lord, going, His mercy is unbelievable. And he finishes the Gospel, 11 chapters of meditating on the grace of God, and then he says, in view of this, offer your bodies, your lives as living sacrifices And then he goes on to give a whole bunch of sort of pastoral, practical wisdom about how to do that in community. And one of the things that he says, and this is the one that I've been meditating on, he says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep up your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You look at the words, the first half means something like this. Uh, It's a word picture. Don't get sluggish. Don't get bogged down. Don't get caught up and slowed and lacking in earnestness and zeal. But, he says, keep up your spiritual fervor. And there's only two words there. And the two words are fire in your spirit. Fire in your spirit. So Paul says... Keep a fire in your spirit. This is a command he's giving to the church. What fire is that? It's not, it's not a fire for evangelism. It's not a fire for ministry. It's not a fire for prayer. It's a fire for Jesus Christ. All other fires are secondary and they proceed and they're good. But Paul's not saying, have passion for this work. He says, have passion for Jesus or keep a fire in your spirit serving the Lord. And then he goes on to talk about serving him. Keep a zeal for the Lord who has a zeal for you. You know the Lord has a zeal for you? 
Do you know that? Did you know that God has passionate affection, zeal for you? Isaiah says that. I think it's chapter, I want to say 26 or 28. It says, the Lord has zeal for his people. He doesn't get sluggish when he thinks about us. He doesn't get weary. He doesn't, his love doesn't grow cold. You know, in Revelation, when the, uh, John sees a vision of Jesus, how does it describe him? He's got blaze, his eyes are like blazing fire. You ever wonder what that means? Jesus' eyes are like blazing fire. There is this pure, holy love that he has for God so loved the world. Right? That He gave Himself. That is zeal. That is passion. You can't give anything more than yourself. And when you're God and you're giving yourself, there's nothing more to give. Because what could you give that's greater or larger or more than God? Jesus has a zeal for His people. And that zeal is intended to, it's a fire, and it's intended to create a reciprocal zeal of affection in our hearts for the Lord. In other words, fire is meant to lead to fire. The fire of the Lord, the fiery affection of His heart, of His love for you and I, is meant to lead to a fire in us that does not go dim or dull or burn out or grow weary. But friends, the reality is it does. We do. We do grow weary, right? We we become distracted. We face discouragement. We experience temptation toward worldly pleasure. We take our eyes off. The message of His love gets dimmed. Not that it's the message is dimmed, but our hearing of it grows dim. And all of these things, distraction, weariness, temptation, discouragement, the devil's attacks against us, they all function, I think, like water on fire, like quenching it. You know, when you've got to put a campfire out and you throw a bunch of water on it, It doesn't go out right away from the water, but it sure does dampen it, right? So I've been I've been drawn to thinking about this verse a lot for the last couple of years, and it might be because I love fires uh, a lot. I I calculated I was thinking about this message. I calculated I've spent between uh, 1,500 and 2,000 hours of my life sitting in front of campfires or wood stoves, fires of some sort. I I, I could sit. When I need to go away and be with the Lord for a day, I go to a cabin and I sit in front of a fire for six, eight hours. And the first few, I'm just quiet before the Lord. And so I've observed fires a lot. And one of the things that I've observed about fire is that you can have a fire that you can start it and it can appear to be blazing. And that same fire will be out. Three, five, seven, ten, twelve minutes later. You can get your kindling and your bigger wood and you can light that and your 
paper dries up and your smaller kindling dries up and then the fire just holds to the outer logs a little bit. It doesn't really catch and it just goes out. And it looks big at first. It sounds big. It snap, crackle, pops. But it goes out. And the thing that's needed to keep a fire going and to get that fire really hot, because that first one's not hot, you can put your hand in there and mess around with it. You can touch parts of the logs and get close without really worrying about getting burned. But fires, they get to a place where you don't even want to get close because the heat coming off it's so hot what does it take to get there you got to rearrange the wood you got to add fresh wood sometimes you got to get down in front of that wood and you got to blow on it right but when you're patient when you uh, tend to a fire when you give it the fresh wood, when you give it the fresh wind, when you move it around, that thing will get so hot without looking hot. It's not blazing. It's a bed of coals, okay, um, sometimes. But it's so hot that all you need to do is put one piece of wood on top and that wood will go whoosh, just like that. You know what I'm talking about? The campers among, among me. Please, somebody not. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, okay, okay. So I've been thinking about, I've been thinking about, I, I, I watch us come in here to worship week after week, Sunday after Sunday. And if you pay attention, you can see movement that takes place in us as a family, in our hearts, and in the the. the How do I describe this? You can you can see us move. You can see wetness being burned off. You can see us come in weary, a little tired, a little discouraged. And sometimes we start singing that first song and it's like we're hitting up against something like there is not a fire burning. There is not there is not. uh, 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 I'm, I'm not just ready to go and start worshiping the Lord. And I've been thinking about how, uh, in some sense, that's not, it's, it's an expected thing in that we experience weeks in a world that are difficult, maybe environments that are really difficult, and um, life in this world is hard and it's wearying. We, we can come in tired. But in another sense, I've been thinking about how the Lord really would give us each the ability to, to kindle, to watch, to guard over the fire within our own hearts that we could come in, we could walk in that door and we hear the worship team singing and we just, we'd get lit just like that because there's such a bed of coals already established within our own hearts that we don't need somebody else to create an atmosphere for us. We don't need somebody else to build a fire for us. I've watched, I've watched over the years people that have struggled in the faith struggle through a, a dynamic where they come in really weary, really tired, really burdened, and through the course of a service, there, there's a measure of refreshment, a measure of being able to enter into the Lord's presence and into praise and into worship, 
and, and they leave here lighter and maybe more joyful and free than they came in, but within an hour, it's gone. And the reason it's gone is because there isn't this personal um, responsibility for stewarding the love of Jesus Christ, the fire within, okay, of affection for the Lord. It starts with receiving His. It's always a response to His. So don't anybody hear this like this is not a works righteous message. This is all in response to the Lord. But I've got a Lord who never leaves me, who promises never to forsake, who walks with me through every dark valley, who says He'll meet every need in proportion to His glorious riches, who's given me more blessings than I could count in this lifetime if I were to start talking now, whose only plans and purposes for me are good and who gives hope to my future. And even though or even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death as I am doing now, I can do it with a fire in my heart. So that grief is real, hardship is real, but the fire that's within, that comes from union with the Lord, is most real. Or another way of putting it is, when we steward and tend this fire, when we keep up, when we keep up our uh, keep ourselves attentive to and responding to the affection of the Lord with affection for Him, when we maintain communion with Him, this is a fire by which we can warm ourselves. Okay? In other words, I'll, I'll just... From my own life, there have been periods in the last month where my grief at watching what's happening with my dad and, and watching my mom go through it with him have been so heavy, they've been like a... like a, Literally like a blanket, just like... You know what I'm, the, the feeling of when, when it, the emotions are so... I don't have this very often, but the emotions are so heavy, the grief. And the Lord has shown me, kind of in a picture, uh, it's kind of like the, um, the, the emotions are all on, out there, and the fire is within. And He says, turn to Me. Turn to the fire and warm yourself by the fires of My love and My presence and as I do that, as I worship Him in that place, this stuff, it's not that it's any less real. It just doesn't have the same impact on me. It doesn't get to crush me because the hope that we were talking about earlier is rising up from within. And I get to be a bringer and a bearer of hope even in this circumstance. So every time I go back to Ontario right now, the Lord's using me to strengthen my family. One of my sister's churches is in a mess over the human sexuality issue. My brother-in-law is an elder. It's really painful. And I'm spending my time there ministering. I'm spending my time there teaching and praying for them and strengthening and encouraging because of watching over and guarding and maintaining the fire. I've, in other words, I've got something to give, right, because of this. So the Lord's calling each one of us, maintain the, the, your own 
spiritual fire. Nobody can do it for you. Nobody can put the wood on for you. Nobody can stir up for you. Nobody can breathe on it for you. You take the essential ingredients and you offer them to the Lord. You say, how do I do this? How long? You know, what, what does this look like? Well, it's the basics, right? I've got, I've got the ingredients of the word. I've got the ingredients of the presence of the Lord always with me, the uh, indwelling Holy Spirit. I've, I cannot do this for 10 minutes every morning. This is sustained time with the Lord. You will not sustain a fire through the day if the coals don't get, aren't hot in the morning. Okay, you know, when you uh, when you let a fire get down real low, you can't just put a piece of fresh wood on top of it. Then you've got to get near that fire. You've got to get real gentle with it. Then you've got to start with small pieces and put them in. And you've got to breathe on it. And you need to add maybe sometimes even a little paper, a little kindling. So if you let the fire go down, then it takes a different kind of tending. But if you tend the fire, if you keep it up morning, noon, night, then you just keep adding fresh wood. You just keep going back to the Word. You keep going, talking to Him in prayer. He's to the one who's always with you. And the fire stays hot and stays burning, right? Listen, this is really good news. This is not, a, again, work. For those of us that are tired, like I'm talking about, I talked about my grief, but I'm, I wrote this, I wrote it, I didn't write anything. I meditated on this sermon, thinking about um, young parents. Right, who are just the sleepless nights, the long days. I thought about those who are aging among us and who are dealing with chronic pain, which just wears on you all the time. I thought about those in our midst who are dealing with um, navigating a lot of change that's just been really hard. It could be the COVID stuff from the last three years and all that you've had to deal with. It could be interpersonal stuff, family stuff, but just your world is having to, you've had to handle a lot and it hasn't been easy. And this, just, just this, just maintaining the love communion with the Lord. I am my beloved's and he is mine. Will sustain, will strengthen. It is a, it's like the burning bush. It's the only fire that can burn without burning you up. It will not exhaust you. It will not take uh, energy from you, it will refresh you as you maintain this fire, this affection for the Lord. When I was meditating on this text, I thought about who was writing it to us. And I thought, now what did Paul say that he went through again? And I flipped over to Corinthians. Five times I've been stretched out and lashed 39 times by the Jews. Three times I've been shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night on the open sea. I've been stoned. I'm left for dead. I've been rejected by my countrymen. I've been rejected by the Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city. I've been in danger in the countryside. I've been in danger from rivers. I've been in danger from bandits. 
And I thought to myself, a person that's experienced that degree of rejection, of trauma, of hardship, you would expect that person, you wouldn't blame that person for saying, oh, I'm so exhausted. Life is just really wearying. I'm so exhausted. But what do you hear from him near the end of his life? When he writes to the Philippians, he says, I want to know Jesus. I consider everything rubbish or trash compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. I just want to know him. Mother Teresa knew that this was so important, this dynamic of maintaining affection, worship for the Lord, was so important that she would not let a nun serve in her order, serving the poor, without requiring three separate hours a day, three one-hour time slots for prayer and worship. She said, you can't sustain your work or your service to the poor, to Jesus through the poor, unless you first sustain your love for the Lord in prayer, in communion, in His Word. So I just want to end by asking, uh, where, you don't need to put up a hand, you don't need to answer, but, but where... What's, where's the fire? How's the fire? What's the degree of the fire that's burning within your heart right now? Are you serving the Lord, as Paul calls us, out of an overflow? Are you serving out of a deficit? Do you need fresh fuel? Do you need the fire in your own heart fanned into flames? I think the answer for everyone's yes. There's always more. But the good news is the Lord has for us open arms He's ready. He's ready to put fresh fuel on there as we call out to him. And so I want to encourage us as we go into singing. What's the name of the song we're going to sing? Light the fire again. Um, Ask and you will receive. He he would have each of us, no matter the circumstances, Full, full with him. That is our heritage. It's our inheritance. Nothing can steal it. Okay? Let's pray and then let's worship. And if you, as, as we call out to the Lord, if, if you, if you want to get on your face, if you want to go to the cross, if you want to get on your knees, what, what, you do whatever you need to do to ask the Lord, Lord, fill me again. Fill me again. Set me ablaze. And Lord, I'm just praying that for all of us. I pray that we would be a people that, are, that burn brightly like living torches because of love for you. This isn't burdensome. 
You are preeminently lovely, preeminently worthy, Jesus. You are the Lamb who we will worship for all eternity. And in Revelation, you pull back the veil and you show what it's going to look like when your bride sees you and they come together with you at the marriage supper of the Lamb and they are all bowing down, pouring out affection. We pray to be those people now, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you'd so renew our minds, like Paul said in the beginning of the chapter, that we wouldn't let anything take away or steal that love that brings joy. We'd zealously guard the fire. So help us now, Lord. We confess those places where we've just succumbed. We've just let weariness and exhaustion and hardship take over. And we say, Lord, we're sorry. We're sorry. You are more than enough. We pray now, Lord, light the fire and maintain the fire in our hearts.